It's the BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Your daily download of X929's X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. It's Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. I'm Beckler. I'm Shauna. Welcome to today's PissCast. We announced uh, the lineup for the Coca-Cola stage at Stampede Park this year. Holy crap. Is it on steroids? We're not supposed to call it the Coke stage, which we've been doing for years. The Coca-Cola stage. Coca-Cola. Uh, we won't rattle off all the bands, but it's probably the best lineup that we've ever seen at the Coca-Cola stage. Yes. So if you uh, are planning to te- check out some of the free shows at Stampede this year, if you're going to be in Calgary, if you're from out of town during, during Stampede, take a look at the lineup. It's pretty awesome. They went all out this year. Stampede, I think, is is going all out in every aspect right now. Like between Kevin Costner being the you know parade marshal, this insane lineup on the Coca Cola stage, uh, all the new tents and stuff being announced. Like, I feel like everybody's kind of like, okay, we've had toned down years. This yep. is our big event. Let's come back and come back with a bang. Because I mean, even for the best summer ever, the quote unquote best summer ever, it was like they. It was still a much much smaller stampede. Wasn't way it? smaller like, and way less people came it was very quiet yep. yeah and, every, yeah i mean even though i mean some people were ready to go a lot of people were still very uncertain about yep. attending an event like that traveling to it mm-hmm. even a lot of the sponsors took their names off of yep. you know the parts of stampede that they sponsored just because they didn't uh, want to be associated with a giant a gathering event during, like so. that that could be a, a super spreader as they were calling it but so. this year the tone is a lot different and i think you're you're seeing that and how all out they're going so yeah i think it's going to be insane it'll be fun it'll yeah. be lots of fun uh, on today's podcast some tv tropes from vancouver soft conspiracy talk about bc decriminalizing small amounts of drugs the latest in fashion, couple of Terry sightings, a white girl saying, we'll have an argument over the goat of something. First, you're out of context clip of the show. Butt chug it. Butt chug the wild air. The BNS in 20 minutes or less podcast. Etymology with Shauna. So this is kind of a different one, Claire. I love bread and bread products, and for some reason I got thinking uh, about different types of bread and where their names all came from, because there's lots of them, and a lot of them are different languages and stuff, and we use them quite commonly. So got into this, have a few of them. Fairly interesting. Uh, the first one, the pretzel. So the name pretzel, I was like, where does that come from? comes from the word brasselli, which is the Latin term for little arms. <laughs> and the reason... Is it like their cross? Yeah. And so a pretzel was originally designed by monks to look like crossed arms. And now they look a little less so. But if you look at the original pretzels, they full out look like crossed arms. Now you can see that, though. You can still see the little twisted part that's supposed to be crossed arms. So yeah, give me a bag of them little arms there. Yeah, which is weird. No, if you were odd. Odd. Like anyway. Yeah. Uh, the Chibata is a fairly new invention. I think it was only invented in the 80s. The Chibata bun. Uh, but it is literally means carpet slipper. Ciabatta means slipper. And the reason is because, again, you look at a ciabatta bun and it looks like a slipper. It's a long, flat bun. So somebody said, okay, this looks kind of like a slipper. So give me some and slippers. my goodness, are they delicious. Carpet slippers. You get a you get a sandwich on a oh, ciabatta yeah. bun. Aren't oh, they great? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some sandies, some Pablo oh. Sandoval's. Oh, yeah. Get one of those going. <laughs> Also, yeah, thinking now we're asking for little arms and slippers when we're ordering our bread. Weird. Uh, the croissant, probably everybody knows, very straightforward. It means crescent. That's what oh, they are. I didn't, didn't okay. know that. Fair I enough. also like to put a little more stink on the word when I say it. Croissant! Thank you. Okay. That actually hurt my throat a little bit. Excuse me. Okay. You're almost kind of angry when you say it. Croissant! <laughs> okay. So, okay. Uh, and the, the weirdest bread name, probably pumpernickel. 
Yeah. Is super it German? Weird one. German. It's super German. Literally translates to fart devil. So pumper means fart in German, and nickel is a word for devil. And the, re- the reason is because when this this bread was first invented, it was known to be pretty harsh on your digestive system and <laughs> was actually like the devil's seen as a in fart there just devil. cooking up farts inside yeah, you. Oh, geez, they're eating that fart <laughs> devil stuff again. <laughs> so, so there you go. I'm going to drop that. Oh, someone pumpernickled in here, oh, man. Oh, my God. Who pumpernickled? Next time you order pumpernickel bread, you're never going to look at it the same way. Can I have that fart devil bread, please? Etymology with Shauna. VNS in 20 minutes or less. In my travels yesterday, I came across two Terry's. Oh, Two Terry's. Yes. I would like to tell you about both of them. Okay, great, could. please. So I was in line at a store, and I was getting an energy drink, and I could hear Terry in front of me. He was buying smokes. And the employee working behind the counter was having trouble finding his brand oh. in the cabinet, you know, because they have it all closed up back there. That's a problem. And then I heard Terry say, uh, just open up that case on the right. should be third row from the bottom left side. Okay. So you have purchased cigarettes here before, Terry. Just a couple <laughs> times. Just, <laughs> just a couple. Yeah. Sorry, who works here again? Holy like, crap. Terry knows where the smokes are better than the person working there. That so. Give me your apron. I'm going to work instead, okay? <laughs> I know shift. where the darts are. Go for a smoke. Oh I'll pull a Oh, my God. Shift. That's so funny. <laughs> that no. was Terry number one. Okay. Uh, Terry number two, I was in a, walking through a parking lot, and I saw just the most ignorant Alberta truck, right? Like, jacked nice. up to the sky, all nice. blacked out. Yeah. And there was a... There was a, 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 a grandma and her granddaughter walking behind the truck. This little girl must have been like three years old or so. And Terry fired this this rig up. And the, the little girl ah, just started crying. And she was so scared. And grandma was like, Terry. And grandma was like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Grandma's car is right here. Let's let's go. And the girl's like, ah, the truck, the truck. And the truck's like, you have to think about that, Terry, before you fire that up, okay? You need to be considerate of the people around you. You don't want to scare the little girl's grandmas, okay? Poor little girl, man. Like You know how there's backup cameras and stuff? There should be that type of thing for those trucks, too, just warning you. Like, don't start it yet, okay? There's people around that are going to be frightened. I think Terry likes it. You're going to cause think, a heart attack. He's like, Poor hey. grandma. I'm glad she was scared, too. I'm looking for uh, the kind of truck that'll scare small children. Oh you have God. that? He, he just got park, that kind of truck. He parks in the parking lot all day, and that's all he does is just wait. <laughs> oh, how many people can I scare the crap out of today? <laughs> yeah! ah, not the truck. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Come on, Terry. Terry. The BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. So we like to talk about white girl sayings on this radio program. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are sayings that I would typically put up on my wall. You know, just the classic live, laugh, love, those types of things. Uh, I have one to admit to you that I purchased recently, Beckler. I, bu- I bought a sweater in L.A. with a white girl saying on it, and it says this, live in the sunshine, swim in the sea, drink the wild air. Oh, yeah. Okay. Not only do I love that quote, I am wearing it. I am now a walking billboard right for this. Now? No, I was oh. wearing it yesterday, actually, and I didn't <laughs> I just... take off my jacket so you didn't have to see it. So I didn't want to admit it quite you, yet. I can only see you neck up from yeah, where I'm true. sitting. Yeah, yeah. Nope, that's what it says on it. So I'm a walking billboard for this this white girl saying. Say, the, say the saying again, please. Okay. It is, live in the sunshine, swim in the sea, drink the wild air. Wow. It just it gets better and better. It really Live does. in the sunshine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Swim yeah. in the sea. Okay. Yeah. And drink the wild air. Yeah. Like typical LA too. Like I, it, was, it was a street vendor and I saw the sweater and I was like, yeah. 
Yeah, give it to me. Give me that white girl saying I will wear that as a billboard around town for sure. Drink the wild air. Why stop Drink there? The why not air. why not chug the wild air? It's true. Why not slam Huff the it. wild air? Huff that wild air. Well, butt chug it. Butt chug butt the chug wild, wild air. air. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do that? Live in the sunshine. Swim in the sea. Butt chug the wild air. Butt chug the wild air. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Shauna, what would you say is the goat of tools the greatest tool of all time yeah what is the what is the goat of tools like huh. what is the what is the king of all tools the hammer the hammer okay that was going to be my gut reaction too i have two gut reactions and that's my first one for sure because i mean you think of even the caveman you go back to ancient times and you always think of them carrying around like the or using like a, a rock, rock to smash a, open a nut or you something you need to hammer things yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's the oldest yep the oldest for sure is it is it the goat though because mm. i was trying to think like i mean the world of today is probably held together more by screws than nails it's true so would it still be the hammer i does the hammer get the most use out of all the tools would it be the goat would it be like the one tool you couldn't part with i mean yeah well here's the thing even if you're not using a traditional hammer at some point you have to nail things in Mm -hmm. with something Mm -hmm. right so you'd still need a hammer like i said i think there's probably more screws in the world than nails these days Mm. it's true you can still make things though without screws yeah if you had to and the hammer could also be used in demo and other applications that isn't just hammering nails in Uh uh-huh I was trying to think about this though. Would the hammer? I mean, I think the hammer would represent all tools. Like if I, if we had yes. to have a, an emoji for tools, it this would is about probably banging be... things. Like that's very important and something we need to do. You know, like Bam Bam has a bat, which is also like, it's a hammer, right? Like you think of the Flintstones back in the ancient times. Like I would use my my tape measure way more than my hammer. That's true. I think so. Yeah. But again, you can measure things with other in other ways. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends on what your definition of a of a tool is like the when I started as a carpenter the guys in my crew they said you're gonna want to get one of these this is the best tool you could have in your toolbox and it's this little ten dollar red pry bar that you get in the paint section it's made by a company called Richards and I use that as much as I use anything interesting and so it's essentially a lever yeah right and a lever is a very simple machine very other, very old tool yeah the other one I was thinking would would be a knife if you consider that oh, a tool knife yeah I think I would go with knife over hammer because, you know, you have I to... I would consider it a tool. Okay. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. again, you need that for everything. When you got to eat, you got to... You, have to you cut sure things do. things open in some way. You can't just eat it whole. So. And if you're like... If you sent me onto the woods and you're like, build something and you could take one tool, I would take knife over hammer. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Okay. In terms of power tools, I think you got to go with drill. Yes. The drill is so versatile. So many things it can do. It's the only power tool that I really know how to use. Uh, so I'm <laughs> so, going to go with drill. <laughs> the BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Someone texted us and said, what about a hatchet? Like a hatchet is potentially even more versatile than a knife. And I guess if we're talking about like striking out into the bush yeah. and trying to survive, I'd probably take a hatchet over a knife in that case. Yeah. I mean, I, and I suppose you could still like hack your fish up and stuff sure to you eat could. it wouldn't be as precise but no you could still do it especially if you have a way to keep your hatchet sharp yeah that's a good point i just sent you this this is an interesting argument i saw online one time but it's got a list of it's got like 25 survival survival items here and it mm. says you are stranded on a deserted island you can choose four of the following which are the most important to take so you're looking at it right now shauna i am 
Your options are tarp, sunscreen, toilet paper, a pot, an iPod, hiking boots, a handsaw, a flare gun, an inflatable raft, a flashlight, insect repellent, a hammock, a compass, a mirror, vitamins, a water purifier, fishing rod, rope, a hunting rifle, five ounces of weed, a first aid kit, a tent, a knife, matches, or a volleyball, which is a castaway reference. Which of the four do you take, Shauna? Oh. Well... I mean, a handsaw, now that we're talking about a hatchet, I'm like, hmm, maybe that would be a good way to, to hack through stuff as well. Yeah. More, th- more so than a knife. So, that. Probably take some matches so that I can light a fire. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, a, a water purifier, I guess, if the water is not good to drink, because mm-hmm. otherwise I'm going to die. Um, what would I do for the fourth? You take the five ounces of weed, wouldn't you? I definitely Giant would. Giant pothy. I mean, an iPod it. also would be good. I mean, <laughs> if if I'm going down on this island, I wouldn't mind having some nice music while I'm doing it. You're so. trying to survive, not make yourself comfortable while you die. That's <laughs> well, the goal. I mean, depends on how, how you know hopeless it is on this <laughs> island, I guess. So you took handsaw, or we'll say hatchet. Yeah. Matches, water purifier. Are you going iPod for your last one? No. No? Uh... Maybe a first aid kit. First aid kit. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I take the matches because you got to have fire. Yeah. And you could waste a lot of time trying to start fire. I don't know how to start fire without matches. Do you? No. I've done it before, actually. We learned it in Girl Guys, but... Really? Yeah. Yeah. Now, like, you need a mirror, though, or something super reflective if you want to do it that way, too. So, yeah. You couldn't do it with two sticks? I don't think so. No, man. I got to learn how to do that. That'd be the coolest thing. Yeah. Uh, I take matches like the hatchet or the knife or the handsaw, something to cut. Uh, I would take the water purifier as well, because if you can't drink the water, you're in big trouble. Yep. And I would take the hiking boots. See, that's what I was debating. Because without boots, man, you are going to be some kind of miserable. Yeah. I could find a way to, like, deal with the bugs, like slather yourself in mud. Yeah. Um, that's what I was thinking about the first aid kit, too, though, is you could actually, like, make yourself some something to, like, step on, too. But also, if you got cuts and nasty stuff, it would help with that, too. Until your feet toughen up. Mm-hmm. Until you get leathery feet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are, I guess there are people that survive in the jungle without shoes, but... But you need something antiseptic, because you're, you're going to get stung by something. You're going to get scratched by things. You don't want to become infected, so... Interesting, yeah. Yeah. Man, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. It's a good it's a good thought experiment though. You could also just chop off the infected thing, I suppose. With, with your hatchet. With your hatchet. <laughs> Which we discussed earlier. Enough, so V and S in twenty minutes or less. As you know, I like to keep up on my fashion, even though I'm just for research purposes, just not, not, for not me. to actually apply nope, or anything. Nope. <laughs> Wear jeans and a hoodie every day. Anyway, I got an email about the latest in fashion. Here's a big one for this this season. Yeah. Giant puffy sleeves. Giant puffy sleeves. Like big puffy ass sleeves. Like upper big puffy sleeves and then long big puffy All kinds of just giant sleeves. Just big old sleeves. Regular fitting shirts, but then the sleeves are just enormous. Like ridiculous sleeves attached to your outfit. So there you go. I mean, that was big for a while, wasn't it? Like in the 80s? It was. It's coming on back. I I think the 80s and like the 1600s. That's what I mean. Like. Back in ancient times, but it's making a comeback. It looks a little silly to me, but again, I I am not fashionable, so... Here we go. Here we go. Oh, yes. From the Renaissance Fair to your own wardrobe. Giant puffy-ass sleeves. Oh, yes. It looks like you have two slightly deflated beach balls attached to your upper arms. 
So hot. Finally, a shirt for those with freakish Popeye forearms. Ooh, it looks like a clown bullied you by attaching two badly designed balloon animals to your arms. Ooh, oh, yes. Opt for watertight cuffs and you'll be able to fill the sleeves with juice or any other refreshing beverage. It looks like you're wearing giant adult water wings. You'll always be ready for the next flood. Oh, yes. Yes. Ooh. Oh, yes. yes. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. We haven't really talked about this, Sean. We mentioned it on the news yesterday, but this, uh, this groundbreaking news out of BC that small-scale possession of certain drugs will be decriminalized yeah. starting in January of next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's up to 2.5 grams of opioids, cocaine, methamphetamine, and MDMA within the province of British Columbia. So the province requested an exemption from the law criminalizing those drugs. The federal government granted it, yeah. and now they're giving it a bit of a, a lead up, and it'll go into effect in January. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this? I, this I, is, this I, is quite, a, quite a change it's what I mean. I know a little bit about it, not too much, but from my outward initial, you know, uh, perspective of it, I think it's great mm-hmm. because the the point is obviously to uh, help with the opioid crisis, right? And by doing this, they think that, um, you know, the the shame that comes with doing these drugs will hopefully be a little bit less, and people will be more apt to reach out for help when they need it. And I think that's a big thing because right now, obviously, if it's illegal and you don't want to reach out for help because then you're admitting you're using a drug that's illegal. And with this now, uh, and again, I know it's just personal use, and the drug technically, I guess, is still legal, mm-hmm. but you won't get put in jail for it and, and get fined and that kind of thing for right. it. Right, so. and possessing a little bit for personal use is not the same as trafficking large amounts of it. It's not... Yeah, like I, I think that will help, you know, uh, remove some of that stigma surrounding these drugs and hopefully will help people get help. So they say that, you know, if you are caught with under two and a half grams now, instead of, you know, entering jail. The, the justice system. Yeah. And I don't like, I don't know how often were people actually being jailed for that in, really in Canada. I'm not really sure, but uh, you'll be instead redirected towards programs that can help with, yeah. you know, addiction and substance abuse and that sort of thing. And, you know, I, I agree with you too. My, like my first thought when I look at that is, yeah, I mean, if somebody, if somebody is, is, is an addict and, you know, especially someone who's, you know, maybe perhaps homeless and is really struggling with addiction, like putting them into the system like that is probably not the best way to address no. their issues, right? They, they need supports in other ways. Yes. So if you can free up some of those resources mm-hmm. that would otherwise be used to punish them in a criminal manner and get them some help, yep. that's awesome. But I also think that there's like, there's two different types of drug users, Right. So there's somebody who has, you know, a bit of cocaine or MDMA for recreational use yeah. on occasion. To party. And, and to party, exactly. And then people who are really struggling with addiction, addiction. right? Yeah. There's, a, there's a big difference between those two groups of people. So will they both be treated the same under these laws? I assume so. You know, like yeah. some kid gets stopped with some MDMA and the police are like, well, here's a program for addiction. It's like, well, I'm not really an addict. Yeah. Right. So does that... And I know you have to be an adult, I believe, as well. 18. Which, yeah, 18. Yeah, so right. I say kid, you're right. But, right. but yeah. yeah, some young person. Mm-hmm. Some young person. I mean, this seemed like... I guess there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to any of this, but... No, and I mean, even having that discussion with someone before they're addicted, you know? Maybe they're on the road to getting there. I mean, I don't know if there's any 
uh, negative to informing somebody and saying, look, here's some programs that are available for addiction, mm-hmm. even just to have it in the back of your mind if you're stopped with that, right? Even if your you know, sole intention isn't to, you know... Yeah, we've had that anti-drug messaging forever, though, haven't we? Have, we? Like, yeah. we grew up with it in schools, mm-hmm. and I see what you're saying, though. Like, yeah. putting a kid like that, again, in the system for having a small amount of drugs, right. even still, I don't think is great for, for Probably them, doesn't help right? anybody. No. Does it? So... Yeah, I, I mean, think yeah. more education probably is is good no matter what. But. I think it is a step in the right direction. Thinking of starting to think of you know possession and in instances like that. Yes, especially when you're talking about someone with an addiction, exactly. not as a criminal problem, but mm-hmm. as you know, as a health issue. Definitely, that's that's probably the right way to go. We'll see how it plays out. The BNS and Twenty Minutes or Less podcast. Okay, are are hockey conspiracies more intense this year than ever before, or is it just me? No, I think they're heating up. I think Holy you're right. Holy crap. <laughs> like, one of my friends is absolutely convinced that the refs simply didn't want the Flames to win, and that's why they made that no-go call on Coleman and all the other bad calls. He was like, it's better for the league, okay, if this happened faster, and then it was a McKinnon-McDavid matchup, and he's just completely convinced of all of this. Well, when you were away, I talked about this conspiracy theory I came across deep, deep in some comments on a on a thread about that game and about that disallowed goal. Yeah. And they said, I bet if the Flames had a new arena, that goal's good. So. Yeah. Yeah. Because oh, I, I said it was weird. Like, the, the call on the ice was a good goal. There didn't seem to be any question from anybody mm-hmm. on either team, the refs, the commentators, and then it goes to Toronto and comes back as no goal. I know. Very weird. It is very, very weird. Very weird. After a lengthy review. I know. I know. And then there's the the recent controversial offside call, right, which happened in Edmonton. Oh, um, I didn't see that one. Okay, so that's another one that was, uh, if people were losing their minds online, and it was Kale McCarr. fans were? Yes, yes. Uh, Color me surprised. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> I know. And this one maybe is just more emotional because Oilers fans take over Twitter or not. But I was just wondering. I was like, you know, you think about it, and could there be a little bit of influence from the refs with these little calls here or there? Like, it could that be a thing? Especially with, I mean, the NHL, they've lost quite a bit of money over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. We're in an age right now where infotainment, right, wins over news. Uh, Everybody's always looking for the drama and the Mm storyline. Could there be some, again, I don't don't think it's direct. I don't think there's no way, but could there be a slight influence? I talked about this quite a bit when you were gone. And I like, it's tough that, it's tough to say that like the refs are influencing the game. Like, like I think they, they manage the games yeah. within them, right? They mm-hmm. call penalties differently depending on what's happening. Of course, yeah. But to think like they have it out for one team or the other, I don't think so because there, you know, there'd be too many people involved to keep it quiet. It's but true. I do think maybe at the very top of leagues, the executives can put their fingers on the scale a little bit to help a franchise that they want to see do well. Well, and that's or, just it. Like, there'd be very minor things that you could do to have little influence here mm-hmm. and there, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say it, but I wouldn't be that shocked if there was something. Again, I don't think it's directly the refs, but something up there that could, yeah, just push it a little bit one way or the other just because it makes a little more entertainment. When you say that Oilers fans were complaining about the refing, I mean, that's just par for the course, that, right? When they win, they deserve to win. When they lose, the refs had it out for them. And whereas, that's why like, that one is a little less valid. Whereas sure, but. I think most Flames fans, upset about that call or not that yeah. happened in, in Game 5, would still say that the Oilers outplayed the Flames in that series, yes, right? It yes. wasn't the, re- the refs were not the reason the Flames lost. Well, <laughs> well. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Welcome to Conspiracy Corner, your platform oh, yeah. for outlandish conspiracy theories. Back there along with Shauna. Hello. Have you heard of the conspiracy theory called 
where's the bottom? Nope. No, I hadn't either. So it's kind of like, it, to me, it seems to be kind of like the birds aren't real movement, which we have talked about, where mm. the birds aren't real. They are all drones, surveillance drones. They were replaced by the government, right. I think, in the 70s. Um, but the goal is like, it's like everyone's kind of in on the joke, and the goal is to poke fun at flat earthers. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, the way this, this theory goes is that there's no bottom to the ocean. It's just water all the way through to the other side. Oh. Because I said, like, have you ever been at the bottom of the ocean? Have you ever seen it? Nope. No. It's too, it's nope. too deep. You're right. So yeah. Anytime you've touched what you thought was the ocean floor was really the continental shelf. And then after that, there's a drop off where the ocean continues to the other side. NASA has been lying to us. Okay. So why? Like what's hidden down there? Well, um, I was trying to find that out too. What's the, what's the purpose of lying about yeah. there being a bottom to the ocean? Right. And it, it the the reasons that I read were they don't make a lot of sense. One is that mining companies are able to keep their prices artificially high because they trick you into thinking they have to delve deep into the earth when all gems and minerals are actually made in a lab. Oh. It doesn't make much sense. Okay. Uh, there was one about like that's a stretch. The ocean level and George Soros and which I didn't oh really understand God. either. Um, no, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I mean, in that sense, it's kind of like the flat Earth thing. What is the purpose of lying about the shape of the earth? There's no benefit. There's no economic benefit I mean, I guess to it. You, There's no Yeah, you don't have to you don't have to have a reason to believe in these conspiracies, no. I suppose. You just believe them. That you're being lied to. Are there still legitimate flat earthers out there? Oh yes. You there think is. there are? I think so. Because I've never met one. Other than that one woman who called our show Yeah. This was like five, six years ago mm -hmm. and told us to do our own research. Yeah. She didn't then, like me. She didn't like you at all. No, I she find that call if we still have it. Yeah, we should. But I think uh, she was legitimately a flat earther. But other than that, I haven't really met anybody. Well, I feel like, again, people won't say this out loud very often because they're afraid they'll be mocked, mocked. It doesn't mean that they don't believe it, though. They only say it in their information silos? Yes. They do it in the, the like-minded communities, and that's mm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so I thought maybe they'd been mocked into oblivion. Maybe there's a where's the bottom, a big where's the bottom community in Calgary as well. We just don't know about it. We don't know, and it's the first I've heard of it, but it is, yeah. Yeah. I will say this, though. I mean, we don't know a lot about the bottom of the ocean. We don't. They say that we know less about it than the surface of the moon, which I think is probably true. Yeah. Everyone's heard that stat. I bet there's some freaky stuff down there. Oh, absolutely. Well, anytime they, we constantly are discovering new freaky stuff from down there, right? Yeah. Like, and it's just nasty. Fish that, that like haven't been touched by evolution because yeah. there's no influence if down there. If you don't see and... the light of day, like it's anything <sighs> that doesn't see the light of day that just is terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying stuff. Any and that those, would be down there. Yeah. I love uh, any of those nature documentary series from like the BBC or whatever. Mm. And the most interesting episodes are always oh, yeah. the deep ocean. Mm. What's down there? Yep. Maybe nothing. There, if this theory can be believed, maybe nothing. There are some spooky ass fish even in my parents' lake, right? That is not that deep. And you, when they pop up, let alone somebody takes a photo of it, I'm like, I don't want to know what's down there. Now go 13 kilometers down right? into the dark and what's oh, down there. Oh my God. On the plausibility scale, Shauna, how many flags waving on the moon out of 10 does the where's the bottom conspiracy I mean, get? I, sorry, I've got to give this like, like 11 yeah, out of 10. That's a low Very rating. low rating. and 20 minutes or less podcasts. So we like to talk about soft Vancouver headlines on this radio program just because mm -hmm. the, the news there just seems a bit softer. They're a bit of a softer people. They don't have to deal with the cold. Very soft people. Uh, this is a headline, though, I read recently that kind of confused me. And this was it. 
Nickelback to headline Formula E race weekend. I was like, eh, and this is happening in Jeez. Vancouver. There's a lot going on in just a few words just there. Just a lot happening there that I was trying to dissect. I read that. I'm like, wait a second here. They're having a Formula E race in Vancouver? Yeah. Well, that's cool. It's very cool. But I read further, and this is what it says. It's a sustainability conference called Evolve, followed by a day of celebrity races in all-electric single-seat solo vehicles. And then it ends off with this outdoor trackside concert by Nickelback. So hearing that it was a sustainability conference and stuff made a lot more sense because at first I was just envisioning like I was like formula like not I know it's not formula 1 but racing and mm-hmm. and this this hardcore concert and It's the electric equivalent of formula 1. It is. Yeah. And I was like what an interesting mixture of people that that would attract. Yeah, like Nickelback doesn't seem like the band. It sure doesn't. For a sustainability conference in Vancouver. Yeah. Like you're going to have the Terrys who are there for the show and some racing, <laughs> right? And then you're going to have the Vancouver Vancouver hippies rather looking for these sustainability solutions. And then you're going to have the, the Terry hybrids, right? And I was, Is there such a thing? I think there is, and I would love to meet that person. But I think in Vancouver is where you would find the Terry hybrid, and I can envision what he would be like. He loves sustainability and NASCAR. Okay? Uh-huh. I picture him with a mullet that has dreads, you know, like a dreaded mullet. A <laughs> dreaded mullet. Like he smells like patchouli and diesel, you know, just a mixture of strange fragrances. He loves trucks, but of the electric variety. He's a very confused man. Very isn't confused he? man, but just kind of a, a melting of of the Terry into Vancouver. This is what it would become. He's at a real watershed moment in history he sh- where he should have been a Terry, but he was born too late. And now what does he do? He's born in Vancouver and was like, but I'm a yeah. Terry. How do I manage this? The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. When you were away, I was talking about how uh, McKenna and I are watching this show right now, The Americans, and I haven't been able to pull many TV tropes out of it. Oh, I think well it, done. Yeah, I think it must just be a very well-written show. that They're not relying on all these, like, tired cliches of screenwriting, right? Well, that's good, yeah. Uh, but I did notice another one the other night. This is the, the season that we're watching now. There have been a, a few scenes in Russia, and... Those scenes have the war- all the warmth and color pulled right out of the shot. Like it's it is like blue and gray. Yep. And just to make it look as drab as possible, which is an old cinematographer trick, right? Totally. Just it's kind of like the opposite of that in TV trope is in Mexico, everything is yellow. Like Me- Mexico on screen is yellow. Which to be fair, I mean, things are more vivid in some of those tropical places than a place like Russia. The colors are, but like the air isn't blue in no, Russia, I don't think, right? Like, I know. Russia is always associated with that. It is very dreary in Russia in the winter, but yeah, you're right. Every time you see Russia on screen, for the most part, it's it's dreary. They take the color it's, right out of it. Like yeah. even things that should have color don't have color it's in Russia. It's down just the a contrast. drab, colorless place. Yeah. Whereas Mexico is bright yellow to the point where like the air is yellow. It's true. I just watched another show called... Uh, White Lotus, I think. It is, it's set at a resort in Hawaii. And they have the warmth cranked up so hot on that show that it feels like the whole thing is taking place in an oven. It's just like, it's the opposite of Russia. It's just, hilarious. Everything here is orange. Although it's warm and orange. Man, that is the one thing about tropical places is like the, the flowers and everything are so colorful. And like the fish, like you go, you just like look down and you have goggles on and all of a sudden, all these fish are the brightest colors. Like we don't get that quite as much here even no. right like we don't get those tropical colors in anything no and then you go there and you're like oh my god like that's true but i mean russia in the winter probably doesn't look too much different than here, here in the winter no. and yeah i mean there isn't a lot of color but also like 
things that should be colored yeah. are still colored. Your they're, eyes still have color in you, the pupils. Everyone doesn't okay? look like a dead body. Well, some of well, us look I like do. dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at X92.9.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have BNS in 20 Minutes or Less downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later.